Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Yes, it's, uh, it is great to see you. Hannah, it's great to, to be with you and to, to speak with you and to have you on the Thinking Church podcast. Uh, hello. much. Hello. Well, just before we get started on anything, I yep. uh, would love to hear a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're doing these days. Uh, yep. Yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name's Hannah. I'm from Dagenham, which is in East London. Some people say it's Essex, but it depends whether you want to say you're from Essex or East London. And I uh, yes. more East London. So there we go. Um, but yeah, been here my whole life. Um, I currently am employed by London Riverside Church in Dagenham, uh, which is the church I grew up in and deeply love. Um, so I've been there a very long time. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And then moved into like more of an executive pastor role um, and basically sort of worked my way around different departments doing all sorts of things, which was a lot of fun. And then in the last sort of 10 months, I basically set up all of their social action um, department for them. So we've opened a food bank. We've opened a baby bank where we do like secondhand clothes and milk and nappies and things like that um, and really just looking at ways that we can support the local community um, so I do that part-time at the moment and then with the rest of my time I'm helping other churches with various different things so I'm working with one church in Canterbury that um, just a brilliant church that's actually on the university campus um, they I think half their congregation are students so I just love like being with them hearing about the kind of unique things they're doing uh, then working with another church, kind of mentoring one of their youth pastors. Um, so, yeah, lots of varied different things that I'm up to these days, which is exciting. Yeah, that does sound really, really varied and really exciting as as well. And yeah. also you've managed to find time to run a a survey that the She Leads survey. Yeah. It's a fantastic survey. I've had a read of it uh, myself. And it's all about uh, women in leadership and I'd love to talk yeah. with you about that today and firstly kind of dig into what was your motivation behind running that survey yeah so I think um I probably say it's because obvi- obviously I'm a woman in leadership <laughs> um, and have been since I started leading <laughs> and so um yeah I think when I was growing up and I was younger I probably didn't realize that there were real challenges to this because I had the honor of being brought up in a in a home where they were encouraging me to be all that God had called me to be. Then I was in a church environment where I was always pushed forward and encouraged. And so to be honest, growing up, I was just like, like what great opportunities I've had. Um, And to be honest, where there were little things that were like a bit awkward or funny, um, I just sort of thought, well, I'll just get on with it kind of thing. So like when I became youth pastor, I would have been the first female youth pastor we'd had. Um, and I was always in an like if I was ever with other youth pastors I was always that only woman but I kind of thought it was cool that I managed to get into that space 
And so, um, yeah, just kind of got on with it. And I think it was only as like time went on, I probably identified that there were some things that were a little bit more difficult um, because of the unique position I was in. And so I guess I just was like, I'd really like to try and look at is some of the things I've had to work through or walk through, are they just like things that I've been through? Or is this something that maybe other women are facing? And I, I guess as well, that links with the fact that younger women always seem to be coming to me, asking me questions. And so I was like, mm, this is interesting. And so I just thought it would be fascinating to do a bit of a survey, find out are there like common struggles that people are having. And really my motivation was not just to find all the issues, but actually like how can we address some of those challenges and really kind of turn the tide and move things forward. Um, in the church world especially yeah that's great yeah that's really good uh, I think I'd, what I'd love to hear from you is what you think from from doing the survey what were some of the big yep. standout points that have come out from that so yeah what have you what have you found yeah. what's the what were the kind of the headline things yeah so I mean some things were like things that surprised me some were things that didn't surprise me at all but um I've written down, I think, just four things that that I would have said out of the whole thing were standout things. The first one was like the lack of mentors. That was like a big standout point that everybody said. I think probably 80% said, I think I wrote that there wasn't someone, wasn't another female in their church who they aspire to be like. And I was like, whoa, that's a bit scary, Uh, which would suggest all the people who did the survey, they are that person, hopefully, that people are looking up to. Um, But yeah, that just lack of mentors. And when I when I thought about my own life as well, I was like, actually, that was always a struggle to find someone that was further on than me, that was a woman who I admired, who I could just ask questions to. I mean, I had great guys around me. Um, my dad was my pastor he was always encouraging my youth pastor always pushed me forward and really mentored me but when it came to like looking for another woman I was like this is really difficult and I remember I was probably like 21 just become youth pastor and there was one other youth pastor who was a woman I knew in the country and and I met with her and it was great like super inspiring but I was like I am not like this woman at all like we are like polar opposites and I just thought she's not the type of person I'd probably meet regularly it was fine as a one-off but not a regular thing and it took me ages of just trying to search people out ask if I could meet people to find someone that was like actually I really admire you and I'd really like you to mentor me and so I think this was a common thing that came up in the in the um, yeah in the survey uh, was that another thing would be um, the lack of confidence that women leaders have in their giftings. Um, so sixty percent who I asked found it hard to say what their gifting was, um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah just fascinating and so just that kind of the need out of that I guess to really focus on the gifting of the leader rather than just whether they were a woman or a man which sounds crazy in the world we live in but that seemed to be yeah the thing yeah sure um and then 95 percent of women have encountered somebody who thinks a woman shouldn't lead I mean that's quite shocking isn't it um, and I thought if you turned it around and said that to a man, have you ever have you ever come across someone that doesn't think you could lead as a man? I mean, 
you'd probably laugh, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think maybe maybe people would think I couldn't lead because of maybe leadership ability, but it would never be because of you know because yeah. I'm a man. That yeah. was that would never be something. So it's it's shocking yeah. to hear that. I know. That, yeah, but yeah. So that that I don't know whether it surprised me or not, but it it was the way it is. And then I guess the final thing would just be these the kind of unique challenges when we talk about emotions or juggling multiple responsibilities or jealousy or looking good when you're uh, preaching yeah. uh, those kind of things that would be very unique to a to a woman um they were quite fascinating yeah reading what people put about that yeah i mean i would definitely recommend anyone listen to this to to really have a good read on that we'll put it in the show notes the the link to uh, to it so that you can download and have a good read through it um i mean we, we've talked about the the kind of there's a lack of mentors but um yeah. i wonder what other challenges that you're seeing to the the churches are experiencing in terms of bringing through more female leaders what are the main challenges that you're seeing yeah so i was just i was kind of having to think about this and i thought really i think many churches don't have a clear structure or way of bringing through leaders full stop and so I think what happens when there's no intentionality with that is that let's let's say majority of, of church leaders are male. So they they may unintentionally raise leaders, which means they get a group of guys alongside them and say, you know, you come with me, watch what I'm doing. I'll kind of meet up with you for a meal, whatever we can talk. They're never obviously going to do that for a woman on their own. Well, at least we hope, I guess, or <laughs> you know, and obviously in an appropriate way, but they they wouldn't think that naturally. So if they've not got a set structure of bringing women or, or leaders through full stop, then probably women are going to get left behind in some way. So I think it's maybe a little bit of a bigger issue beyond just women in leadership, more down to the like, how a church is actually intentionally bringing leaders through. So then I think when there's like maybe minority groups what can often happen is they get left behind unless a leader's like, you know what, I'm going to really intentionally think about how I'm going to raise leaders around me um, and, yeah, put some stuff in place to allow that to happen um, without maybe the awkwardness. Sometimes I think that's what happens. A guy leader's like, oh, it would be awkward if I spent time trying to raise this female leader it might look funny or or whatever whereas like obviously there's easy ways around that let's just get a group of leaders in a room together and develop them as a group I mean that's just a simple way of doing it isn't it yeah. uh, but that's not always thought about so I think yeah just that intentionality about like I'm going to identify people and I'm going to have a clear way of bringing them through and developing them Yeah, I, I think that's so true. The um, that thing of leadership development is usually kind of done ad hoc. You know, it's yeah. someone sees maybe some potential in someone, but of course, w to to do that, you're looking for someone who you normally find people who are a bit like yourself. Yeah, so yeah. you know, when yeah. you know a situation where you've got a male leader in a church, you're more than likely going to go and find another male yeah. that was who you know you can almost form in your your image, as it were. Yeah. And yeah. and so yeah, and and it's because of the lack of a systemized approach to leadership development, that means that yeah. people just get, especially women, 
get yeah. get completely missed off and, and and maybe it's some of it's some of it is systemic some of it's maybe not intentional but but systemic nonetheless you know and, and so that yeah. means that you get a whole generation that comes through and it's just uh, and you get sort yeah. of permeated with male leadership yeah. and, and to be honest it can be exactly the same if it comes to ethnicity as well yeah that people may develop people that are very similar to them whereas I think they're not maybe being intentional about looking around looking at the church and saying actually in this church there's lots of ethnicities there's lots of women and there's lots of men so let's be really intentional about how we do that yeah it's it's really true and you know we there's a lot of talk at the moment about how can we make our churches representative of the societies yeah. we live in and you just you, all you got to do is look at the statistics you know the male female divide is pretty much 50 50 i think it's always yeah. slightly more females than than the males yeah. it's you know it's always just tipping that, that that scale and and so how we can think about those intentional practices to put yeah. in, in place that so so we think okay does our leadership team reflect our location that we live in both yeah. in terms of male female but also in terms of uh you know diversity and equality all those yeah. kind of things and race um, because that's our job is to reflect the the, the place that the, the god's yeah, placed us absolutely. in absolutely yeah no, that's that's really good. Um, what what I'd love to hear from you is a little bit more about your experience as a female in church leadership. What are the, some of the the challenges you've come up against? Some of the um, maybe not maybe some of the the not good stuff, and maybe some of the good stuff as well. Um, what's been your experience in leading throughout the the number of years that you've been leading? Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, hugely varied in different ways. So I said at the beginning, um, I really was encouraged. And I I have to say that, um, yeah, I obviously became the youth pastor. So someone must have suggested that 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 was a job I could do. And I know it was a man that suggested it because there was never a woman in the room back then. So (laughs) um, I think in that way, it's been positive. Um, just some things I, I was thinking about, though. I mean, growing up, I assumed that to be in church ministry, as a woman, I had to be married, which I'm not. So um, I kind of assumed that's the way it had to go. And I had to play a supportive role rather than actually being a leader. So that was an assumption that was already in my mind because of what I'd seen modelled to me. And it wasn't that what had been modelled was bad. It was just that's the way it was. So I didn't think there was another way of doing things. And I think for me, what became confusing for me was to do with my gifting because it looked more like my dad's gifting than my mum's gifting. So they yeah. both passed it together, but um, the type of gifting my dad had, yeah, I was just more like that. So in some ways I didn't really know what to do with myself because I was like, where do I fit in then? Because I've not really seen that happen before. Um, so, I mean, my dad was like quite visionary, quite strategic. Um, he was really passionate about raising leaders. And I found myself exactly the same in many ways. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a, con- a confusing thing for me. And I had to really work through that. Um, yeah, like I said, I was given a huge opportunity. But I did always feel like I was having to pave a new way ahead because I was always the first of everything. So, you know, I was the first female youth pastor. I then was the first person to be on the leadership team as a woman. Um, And so in lots of spaces, I was always the first, which, again, at times was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I'm able to pave a new way forward. But there are obviously times when it can be really lonely as well. And, yeah, it's difficult. Um, I'm just trying to have a little look at what else I put. 
Um, yeah, I always felt like I never fitted the mould. Now, maybe this was like, I mean, in multiple ways, more than just me being a woman. But like when I was first youth pastor, we did a lot of work with gang members. And um, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't fit the mold. Like, let's be real. But <laughs> I was I was never naughty at school. I was always good. And I think I never had a detention. So to then be <laughs> the one that was working with uh, gang members who were all male uh, was ironic in many ways. Um but yeah, I mean, <laughs> there were kind of funny things that happened. But now I look back, I think I can't even like it's quite shocking. So like I remember we take our young people to youth camp and it would be a youth camp with loads of different youth groups. Um, and there was a guy on my team who was sort of my number two. And uh, we'd go into meetings and people would always address him and not address me. Or they'd always assume wow. he was the youth pastor and ask him the questions. Now, he was brilliant because he'd always be like, oh, I'm not the youth pastor Hannah is. So he'd always defer to me. But obviously, I had to I had to get over the fact that that always happened, <laughs> which was like really annoying in some ways. Whereas at other times I was like, oh, it's just it's just kind of funny that you're assuming wrong. And at some point you're going to realize, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that was that was difficult. And then. Um, just like a something that maybe people wouldn't think about but I was often in a team full of men um, and like all of those guys would have really great friendships with each other but my friendship with them was obviously different I mean they were all married often um, and so I always felt I had to work doubly hard to build the relationship with them um, and I was more like them than I were, was like their wives. So it was yeah. always a bit of a, a kind of, I hope I'm explaining that right, but yeah, it was yeah, a bit yeah. of a funny situation, you know. Um, and I guess, yeah, again, I was just like, oh, it's cool that I've got into this position. But at the same time, I was like, oh, sometimes that can be really difficult because I know I won't have the level of relationship that they have with each other. Yeah. And so it's just different you know and so I think some of them things were kind of challenging things that I had to work through um yeah 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 I I, I really think that's fascinating because I think that you know in terms of that building relationship with you know men that you're leading with you know of yeah. course it's it's different and you know we've we've been through the whole you know we've grown up with the the society or you know the christian kind of culture of you know yeah. the boundaries in relationship which of course is a, yeah. is a very good thing very yeah. very important thing but what it can um you know the the other side of that is is yeah. that the the what when you've got a male dominated leadership yeah. you know they can all be they can have a relationship which is very different and the, the woman can feel a bit more on, on the outside yeah. of things and and it it's you know working out how do we start to overcome that that we don't lose the boundaries and all those things that we yeah. obviously need to remain in place but how do yeah. how do we start to change that tide yeah on that you know it's interesting because you know you're at the moment we're in that position where majority of churches are still probably male-led and we need to yeah. start to change that tide so it feels a bit more um representative of of, of where yeah. we're living where we're living I mean a good question to you would be how have you seen the landscape change just even in the amount of time that you've been leading is is that something that you're starting to see what are the, how is that landscape starting to change and that recognition yeah. of of female leaders is that is that changed much for you yeah so I, I mean I definitely think there's been more conversation around the theological standpoint when it comes to this in more recent years 
So I remember like when I was first leading, to be honest, I was like, I know God's called me. So (laughs) I kind of couldn't care less what people think. So I was just like, just get on with it. But then I got to a point where I was like, I probably should know why I believe I can lead. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did a lot of research myself in into that. Um, and that was just a personal thing I did, didn't particularly share that with anybody. But then I found that in more recent times, people are speaking more about like, let's understand some of these portions of scripture that maybe we've not understood before. And let's actually have the conversation about it. Um, and so I think that's that's happened and that's been amazing. And I think a lot of churches now, at least in my network, would say, oh, no, we're very pro women in leadership. I think the hard work now or the problem now or challenge is that we need to work out how do we practically make that like outwork that because it's one thing saying I believe women can lead but I've heard this said in churches before where they're like yeah yeah we believe in it but they've got no women on their leadership team so I'm like obviously there's a disconnect between what you believe and how it's being outworked and sometimes I think maybe there's a struggle with like okay how do we practically then outwork that um, the other thing I think as well is maybe with our age group, with millennials and, and younger, this isn't such a big deal as it used to be. And in some ways, it's like, well, I don't really understand why this is still an issue. But obviously, it, it seems to be in some settings. And so, yeah, I've definitely found there's a there's a shift in mindset. So when I did my survey, I mean, all my encouragement that I've had is from my age group. Um, and maybe one pastor over the age of 40 has encouraged me but aside from that it's only been my age group and I think that's quite a fascinating sort of yeah thing and probably shows where things are at It'd be really interesting to sort of dig into some of the, um, the motivation around some of this. I mean, there's a, there's a part in your survey and you ask, um, you ask the, uh, the women that you surveyed, have you ever asked yourself, can I really lead as a woman? And 61% yeah. said, said yes. And, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a narrative that's been inherited over time. And, yeah. you know, that you, you know, if a woman in leadership will, will be born into that kind of question being yeah. asked because of, of where we're at. And, and yeah. we've talked about, I guess, the, the kind of more millennial generations are starting to change their, their view yeah. on that. Is there things that we can specifically do that is going to help change that narrative? Cause I, I you know, there, there might be some of the older generations that really struggle yeah. with the, the thought yeah. of that and they might be more, uh, they might see themselves more sort of complementarian in their views, um, and um, but so how can we help them to sort of change that narrative? Yeah. So I was thinking about like why did I believe I could lead? Because uh, I I think may help me to answer the question. And I thought I believed I could lead firstly because a man believed in me. So there was obviously something that shifted there um, at some point. Yeah, whereas I'm sure, you know, back in the day, there were lots of men that didn't think that. So someone believed in me and encouraged me and gave me the opportunity um, to lead. So, I mean, just an example, I remember um, a few years ago, my my dad, who was my pastor then, he he put me on this or sent me to this conference, which was for church leaders. And it was a very 
select group. And I remember sitting in this room full of leaders in America thinking, how the heck did I get here? Like feeling like I probably shouldn't be here, <laughs> like totally intimidated and overwhelmed. But I came back from it thinking, wow, he actually gave me the opportunity to sit myself in that space where I felt, yeah, yeah, it was beyond me. Um, so someone believed in me. Secondly, um, I read growing up about women in the Bible that led. So, I mean, I just assumed, well, if they can, I don't see why I can't. Yeah. Um, and then thirdly, I read about these great female missionaries. And if you look into the history of women in leadership, um, Jesus was hugely empowering of women. Then there was like this major gap in history where like, women weren't allowed to lead or barely do anything, to be honest. And so all the women that did have this call of God or, or um, desire to lead, to be honest, they just went on the mission field because they were allowed to lead there. Never really made sense to me, but they yeah. did. so I read, <laughs> read these stories growing up and I thought, I want to be like that, you know? And so I think that helped me change the narrative when it came to that. Um, but I think women coming coming below us I think for maybe our generation that's trying to change this and maybe doing the hard work of this we just have to be really um kind of steadfast in what we're doing and determined that actually we're going to change the narrative so women coming below us are not going to be asking these questions and I remember one um girl that I'd been mentoring saying to me I've never asked that question because I've assumed it's okay because you've you've always led and so I thought, wow, that's encouraging. You know, if I can have people coming below me that, that are saying those things, hopefully the narrative will change. But there's always got to be a generation, hasn't there, which say, actually, we're going to be different and we're going to push through the difficulty of this for the sake of generations to come. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of, you know, the the female missionaries that inspired me growing up, you know, because I, yeah. I I grew up reading about you know Jackie Pullinger, yeah. Corrie Ten Boom, people like yeah. that, and I've I've been to visit Corrie Ten Boom's house where she hid during yeah. the, war, the cool. war, and it was just you know fascinating and amazing. And in in one sense, you're you're grown up with I I've grown up with that being more normal, and yeah. I and you know amazingly you know all of the, the women that were, you know, sent abroad, you can do the mission thing has actually, yeah. you know, it's actually served to come back round because now they're, they're seen as these great heroes, you know, rightfully yeah. so great heroes of faith yeah. that did amazing exploits and, and yeah. they become our, our heroes and they become the ones because they've got these incredible stories, you know, and yeah. that's the story you, you want to read. And I'm growing up and I wanted to read the hiding place and, um, yeah. and those yeah. kind of things. And, and it's, it's been really, really helpful. So I think, yeah, I think that those, those role models that we may have not have, you know, we may not have thought about, but actually they're, they're really starting to be yeah. uh, helpful in, you know, yeah. people growing up. I mean, I, I've got, I've got a daughter who's six years old and I want her growing up reading about yeah. Corrie Ten Boom, Jackie Pullinger, these kind of people yeah. who are going to, you know, inspire her to be able to do great things for God. And I think that's, that's yeah. really, that's really brilliant. Um, and I, I guess some of my hope is that like for me growing up, that did feel very far removed. So even though I was like, oh my goodness, I want to do something of significance. And um, those people were like, you know, yeah, they felt so far removed from me, whereas I hope in our generation we can have people that are a little bit closer to people that you can easily look to someone and think, wow, I'm inspired by that woman that's leading down the road from me in yeah. that church or just around the corner or someone that's in my life that actually I'm inspired by rather than, rather than just having to read the stories of someone that 
you probably don't know personally you know yeah yeah no that's brilliant I think one of the things that's stopping people from uh, and and being the real challenge in in the church world has been the theological side of it and yeah. especially when you get into uh the the letters of of the apostle paul and um how have you navigated those those passages and what would you say to someone who is you know who has to explain this you know maybe it's a female leader that's got to explain this and someone's asking yeah. questions about it and because it's it's difficult i mean e- even in you know, even I think in the book of, uh, is it one Peter or two Peter? One of them. He explains yeah. that Paul's letters are difficult to understand. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of already in there. Yeah. So Paul's not easy to understand at the best of times, and which is which is great. But that means we've got to explain it to other people. And some of these things can feel a bit conflicting. Um, yeah. So how do you explain some of the, the, the Pauline letters? Yeah. So I don't want to go into deep, deep talk about uh, it because we can uh, I mean, forever. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first, I personally, I, mean, I love theology, so I could, I could easily, yeah. you know, extend this yeah. podcast by an hour and a half if need be. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what I will say is, a friend of mine, um, a guy, had sent me a um, document the other day, which was like how to explain this to people, and it was so helpful, just in a concise way. I mean, there's loads of great books out there as well, of course. But one thing I picked up from what he wrote was this quote um, by someone um, from the Bible course. Uh, it says, if you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. I was like, <laughs> I am going to use that. Like, I was like, that is just brilliant. And I think people are just context lazy um, all the time yeah. when it comes to reading scripture. And so um, I think when it comes to scripture as a whole and it comes to context, there's a few things we have to ask ourselves. So when we're looking at these Pauline letters, uh, would be um, firstly what type of writing is this I mean this is like what we would say to anyone we're teaching the bible to right but like when we look at the letters that were to specific churches in specific locations we have to understand that that's how some of them were written whereas there's other books in the bible that are very different and so I think we have to ask ourselves that question um, I think we then have to ask who was it written to so what what in terms of context, who was it written to? And then thirdly, what was society like at the time uh, to understand that? And really, it's like any kind of literature when you like if I read Shakespeare, I've got to understand the time he was writing in. Otherwise, it's not really going to make sense to me. Um, so just an example. So 1 Corinthians 11, I think it's 4 to 16 around there talks about head coverings for women I'm obviously not wearing a hat so um, (laughs) maybe it's important to comment on Um, but in the understanding of it if you look at the culture in that culture a woman would have had her long hair braided and covered so that she wasn't mistaken for being a temple prostitute so obviously well I personally, anyway, I don't know what it's like where you are, but I don't have a temple around the, the corner to me where there's prostitutes. <laughs> no, nor do I. No. So so, um, so it's hard, I guess, for us to understand that when we look at the society in which this letter was being written into, that's the society it was writing into, which is difficult for us to understand. But if you understand Paul's heart behind it, you're thinking, actually, he's really concerned for these women that they're going to be completely misunderstood and seen to be something that they're not. Um, and so that's why he's suggesting they cover their head. But that's a very unique situation in a unique city, um, in a unique time, which is completely different to us. And so I think 
there is a level where we have to try to understand some of those things and yeah again not be context lazy and just say oh it says it so I, I've, I've got to go yeah. around wearing a hat all the time you know um and I think the scary thing for me is I mean even in um where my mum was growing up she would have had to have worn a hat to church and so you think wow that's not that long ago no this wasn't really looked into and un- understood and so I think yeah and I, I guess I'd encourage people that that maybe disagree with me on this is to like take the time to really understand it and look into it and um, a read around it to get the real context. And it's, I think it's really interesting when you think about these passages in the context of the whole scripture, because you've got, yeah. you know, in, in, in the Old Testament, you've got leaders like Deborah and, yeah. uh, you know, you've got people like Esther, who really is a leader in her yeah. situation. And then even in the New Testament, you know, when you read those little bits at the end of Paul's letters, well, you know, yeah. we're saying hello to people. And we always, yeah. you know, kind of skip it because <laughs> we just think, oh, yeah. he's just doing the hellos thing. Yeah, yeah. But if you pay attention to it, he's actually saying hello to, you know, it's often, he, you know, greet this person because this yeah. person is coming to you to to read the letter to you. This person has been yeah. sent, this person, you know, and, and, and this person has been given a specific role. And whoever's sent yeah. to read that letter is yeah. also the job to teach that letter. Yeah. And, yeah, to, and so it's it's already in there and so the i think that you're absolutely right the context yeah. of it is uh is so important and you just yeah. you know you see it even with how yeah how jesus speaks to women and how he has you know women who are benefactors to him so you know yeah. it, the, the yeah. jesus's whole ministry was uh yeah funded by wealthy women you know and so the there are women all throughout the bible and even paul talks about you know there's in christ there's neither you know jew nor gentile male or female and 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 so but we get so narrowly focused into you know this is what the bible says and i think that's been a a problem for the church over centuries is you know we've got into this well the bible says so so that settles it but i think i mean one thing that really kind of shocked me i remember in my research was that when the King James Version was written, obviously it was in a in a time where women didn't have many rights at all. And so where there were like maybe Greek words that referred to mo- both a male and female, they, they just referred to them as male. So yeah. when you read the King James Version, there are parts where unless you actually look into the Greek, which most people don't do, you're going to assume that Paul or whoever is is speaking to a man when actually he could well be speaking to both a man and a woman and I always remember thinking that is actually quite shocking and I think that's why it's so important for us to like take the time to look into some of these things and really understand it. Yeah and I think it's a responsibility of every generation to look back into scripture and not to sort of not to reinterpret it to what you want it to be but to go okay let's let's have another look at this and let's make sure that we re-look at it in the context of it and and then we can see what does that mean for our culture because the culture changes all the time and that like I said it doesn't mean that we're 
reading stuff into the text that we want to come out yeah. of the text. Um, but yeah. I think that's so important. And I think that, uh, you know, the growth in the kind of the boom of the kind of historical um, context that's now available just means that we can read scripture so differently because we've yeah. got so much, you know, first century knowledge that when, you know, centuries ago, you know, the Bible being translated, they just, just didn't have that benefit. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's just, it's revolutionizing how we think about uh, many of what Paul, you know, what Paul is writing so that we actually yeah. understand it. And I guess it's, yeah. it's, it's also understanding that when Paul wrote these things, you know, we're only seeing one side of the conversation. Um, yeah. You know, you know, we're only, you know, it, there was, there was a two-way dialogue going on. Yeah. And um, and that was happening in the church, and we only see yeah. one side of that, and so we we, we must do that work as well. When you look at his letters, you could say that he's contradicting himself because he's obviously saying hello to these women that were leading, quite obviously, and then in the next breath it appears like he's saying they shouldn't speak, and so yeah. I think we have to look at scripture as a whole, don't we, and understand like actually what's the full context rather than just taking bits as we as we want them. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, and we sometimes forget that that Paul was Jewish, <laughs> you know, so yeah, he's he's yeah. grown up learning about Deborah and yeah. and learning about these the, the great women, Ruth, you know, people yeah. throughout the Bible who led in some ways. Sometimes it was small ways. Sometimes it was really big ways. You know, Deborah yeah. is a, a classic example of leading yeah. the whole nation. And yeah, yeah. and so that was still ingrained within their culture. And you can't. Yeah. You can't separate that, and I think I think I've been guilty in the past of I think of of Paul as he I almost divorce him from his Jewishness. I think of him as yeah. a very sort of Greek in his thinking, and he's yeah. not. He's he's solidly yeah. Jewish and grown up in that in that world, and so you've got yeah. to see it in that in that view for sure. Okay, uh, one last question, and then we'll we'll, yeah. we'll wrap it up. Um, what I'd love to hear from you is we've talked all about some of the thinking behind. Uh, all of this, some of the theology of it as well. But I'd love to get from you, what are some real practical things that we could do in our churches that uh, help be intentional about raising, not just leaders in general, but but female leaders? What are some yeah. th- what are some things that we could do to, to really yeah. uh, promote female leadership within our churches? So I think the first thing that, that would be a good idea for churches is to do their own research within their context. Because I think sometimes we just don't ask ourselves the questions, try and skim over things. And so I think like really asking yourself in this area, how are we really doing as a church? Do we have women leading in all different capacities? So both, you know, in maybe smaller settings um, to to like on our leadership teams or on our trustee board or whatever um, so asking those questions and also asking women within your church what their opinion is <laughs> sometimes I think it's easy for men to just like we make an assumption but I think actually going to some women and saying like do you feel you've been given fair opportunity do you think you're being developed as a leader um, interestingly from the survey lots of people when I said do you think your pastor believes in you as a woman? Most said yes. But when I said, do they, do you think they intentionally develop you as a female leader? Uh, only half said yes. Wow. So I think maybe having those conversations, engaging in honest and helpful conversation, not just like I'm angry and I'm fighting for women's rights because that's yeah. just annoying. But like, let's actually talk about this. I think that's important. 
Um, one other, another thing I'd encourage is for senior pastors is to really think about their structure for raising leaders. And even if like you haven't got majorly anything set in place, could you get a group of younger leaders around you, both male and female, and every week or every few weeks or every month, sit with them and and spend time with them, ask them questions, get them talking through different topics, speak about church, because that will create a forum where it's not just going to be the people that you happen to hang out with or who are like you, but actually it's creating a setting where there is opportunity. Um, I think encouraging people to discover their gifting and then creating opportunities for them to serve or lead in those areas. So rather than just randomly picking people, like actually taking the time to be like, okay, what's this person's gifting and how can I encourage that? Um, And then if you're really struggling (laughs) to, to find women in leadership, get a woman to help you. Oh my goodness. Um, So I hope you're not at this stage, but like um, just a like practical thing. There's always women in our churches that are leading in high capacities in their work. So, I mean, we've got a woman in our church who's like really high up in the NHS and I love spending time with her and asking her questions because she's on a different level when it comes to leadership than me. Um, I'm thinking someone like that, that, you know, maybe a head teacher or, you know, in a leadership capacity and saying, help me know how I can develop more leaders. And they may even be able to spot them if if the male senior pastor can't, because uh, we women do notice each other and we'll spot the ones that have got ability and leadership potential. And so if it's really a struggle, I'd be like, get get a woman on board with you to help you identify some of those people. That's great. Hannah, thank you so much for taking your oh, time. You. And uh, yeah, I really recommend that if you're listening to this, uh, the, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, as I said at the, the top, that um, just read the survey and and have a real time just to reflect on that and what that means for your church, because it's when you start to think about these things and then put it into action that you can start to uh, like turn the tide of things. And I think that's I think we're in a, a unique moment in in this country where that that in, in in the church world is starting to turn. I think that's a it's a great thing, and I think that it's it's more and more making the body of Christ more like how Christ intended it to be, which I think is a really, really great thing. So Hannah, thank you so much for for taking the time today. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll have you on again on the podcast at some point soon. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.